Welcome to the Rescue Church Podcast. You are listening to a message from our Wednesday night service. Um, I just want to start with, um, I believe that the Lord is preparing a place and a people for his presence to dwell, and he's preparing that here. And I think there's something to learn from what I'm gonna, from Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy, which is where I'm going to preach from. And, yeah, there's something to learn about, you know, the time when, when God took Israel out of Egypt and when they spent 40 years in the wilderness and he was preparing a people and a place for his presence to dwell. And so in that time, it was consecration and testing. And consecration and testing is what it takes for the people of God to enter into the promise. And I think that God is doing that here. And like we haven't even seen anything yet. Um, So people, Isaac, one second, okay. People are going to tend to stray away from the book of Deuteronomy, I think, because there are too many rules and standards. So, you know, like 21st century Christianity is like, hyper grace and like, oh, we don't need to follow those rules anymore. But I actually think that the rules and standards are important for not just for the sake of rules and standards, but we need we need rules and standards um, to live in the freedom Mm, that Jesus Christ died for and the freedom that God made available through Jesus Christ. So I have Isaac here. Because I want to show you an example of how rules and standards are going to have so many pictures here. <laughs> um, so let's say, <laughs> let's say, um, let's say Pastor Adam bought Isaac a guitar, right? Hey, there's a free guitar. Okay, and Isaac knows nothing about the guitar. Just, just don't play. Yeah, you just like tap it or something like. Yeah, ooh, uh, uh, like he doesn't know anything about the guitar. Ugly sounds, and he's not using it to the potential that it was made for. It's not pleasant, and you know he he doesn't really look like, you know. How do you feel about it? I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah, you don't know what you're doing. Okay, now let's introduce some rules, some some laws of music, some music theory. We're going to introduce some rules, laws, and music theory. So, play something now. (laughs) Yeah, and now he's going to play a song, a beautiful song, with the music, the rules and the standards of music. Now it's a beautiful sound. (laughs) And it's pleasant to be around, and he can actually now, you know, make a space. And it's pleasant. And he can move freely within the rules and standards of music. And now Isaac is a confident and free person (laughs) in the rules and standards that were given to him. Amen. Okay? Thank you. So we see that rules and standards are not bad. They're good. That's good. And in the same way, Jesus purchased our freedom, and we need to know how to move in him by knowing the laws of God, the word of God, not just for knowledge's sake, but to live in the freedom that he died for. 
And that is why the Lord gave the Israelites the words through Moses, and that is the book of Deuteronomy. In Hebrew, the book of Deuteronomy, like Deuteronomy actually um, is Debarim, which means the words. Sorry, just getting this up a little bit closer. Oh, there we go. And in the book of Deuteronomy, um, this was God, uh, Moses was preaching and teaching to the children of Israelites. And these are, this is the generation that will enter into the promise. So this is a different generation from when they were delivered from Egypt, and God said, you have been disobedient, and because of your unbelief, you will not enter the promise. So this generation is, Moses is preparing them, like, these, you need to do this, and do this, and do this, because this is God's standards for God's people. And remember that God did all these miracles and signs for your fathers. And so remember these stories as you go into the, the, into the wilderness. Israel was delivered out of Egypt and slavery, but God wanted to deliver Egypt out of, out of Israel. He wanted a people that were free and not slaves. And this goes back to Genesis 12, when God made a covenant to make the descendants of Abraham a blessing to the nations. So this, this book was like the last words of Moses. And um, yeah, so let's go to chapter 4, Deuteronomy chapter 4. You can split this book up into like, I think four, four movements. And in the, we're gonna be looking at the first part of it. And in this part, Moses emphasizes on remembrance a lot. He, he constantly says like, remember this, remember that. Do not, do not forget this, do not forget that. So verse one, and now, O Israel, Listen to the statutes and rules that I am teaching you and do them that you may live and go in and take possession of the land that the Lord, the God of your fathers, is giving you. Where's my mouse? Come back. Ah, there it is. So these statutes are ordinances regarding religion and worship, the manner of worship, reverence and worship, like the priests, what they wear, um, what type of sacrifices or for what purpose, and judgments yep. is all things pertaining to civil manners. It's how to govern, how to deal with problems, yep. how to address issues, and how to deal with people. And Moses is saying that you need to listen to these statutes and judgments so that you may live, go, on, go in and possess the land. So there's three things here. Number one is to live. The second is to go in. 
And the third is to possess the land. So just like there are rules to playing an instrument beautifully, the Israelites were commanded to listen and obey God's rules so that they may live and go on and possess the land. Verse 2 says, You shall not add to the word which I command you, nor take from it, that you may keep the commandments of the Lord your God which I command you. This is important because God was teaching the Israelites that partial obedience is disobedience. That's right. And adding to what God said leads to religion, idolatry, and spiritual manipulation and abuse. That's right. So God is actually giving Israel the standards of how to live rightly. First of all, live, right? Like that, that stuck out to me a lot because when, you, when we see it in Deuteronomy, in the Old Testament, when you don't follow God's command, people die. And so right. there is, like, like, you have to follow what God said so that you can actually live. When he says live, it, it actually means live. <laughs> in in uh, Hebrew. <laughs> uh, okay, so verse 3 to 4. Your eyes have seen what the Lord did at Baal Peor, for the Lord your God has destroyed um, from among you all the men that followed Baal Peor. But you who held fast to the Lord your God are alive today, every one of you. So this Moses is bringing up an example of what happened when people did not follow God's commandments. So in Baal Peor, um, that is a Moabite god. And do you guys know who the Moabites are? The Moabites are the descendants of Lot and his daughters. So there was an incestual family. Yeah, unclean spirit, unclean family. And, and the Israelite, Israelites were set apart. They were consecrated and chosen. And so God wanted to set apart this, this nation that he wanted clean and pure from a nation that was marked by incest, incest and perver- perversion. So there, when that happened, um, there was a man named Phineas, and he once the judgment came down, Phineas saw the, uh, an Israelite man and a Midianite woman going into like a temple somewhere and there was mixture there and if Phineas what he did was he pretty much like skewered them together like he killed them with a javelin and he and and when that happened the Lord said that um, Phineas had is jealous for me and so he stopped the plague and because of Israelites disobedience here's a here's life again in Hebrew 24,000 people died because of a plague, because there was mixture, because Israel did not follow the commands of the good, Lord. Good. Verse 5 to 6. Surely I have taught you statutes and judgments, just as the Lord my God commanded me, that you shall act according to them in the land which you go to possess. Therefore, be careful to observe them, for this is your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the peoples who will hear all these statutes and say, Surely 
This great nation is a wise and understanding people. So we see here observing God's laws makes people more respected and makes them known for their wisdom, understanding, and excellence. So God, God is setting apart a people and giving them all these rules and laws and, and statutes to be in covenant with God, but also they, were, they would be known to be excellent in their ways. So how to deal with people, how to deal with problems, how to govern, how to, um, how to be successful and how to prosper. God was setting them up to be the best of the best by following his laws. Good. Thank you. Verse 7 to 8. For what great nation is, this, is there that has a God so near to it? as the Lord our God is to us, for whatever reason we may call upon him. And what great nation is there that has such statutes and righteous judgments as are in all this law which I set before you today? So this verse, um, verse 8, sticks out to me a lot because they... So if they, let's say they followed all the rules and statutes and all that stuff, they wouldn't be known just for that, but that when they call to God, he would come near. And so that is like a reputation that, you know, when we follow God, when we um, are righteous in, in his eyes and we call to him, he, he promises to draw near to us too. And that's the thing that, we, that they would be marked by if they follow all these rules. Verse 9, Only heed to yourself and diligently keep yourself, lest you forget the things your eyes have seen, lest they depart from your heart all the days of your life, and teach them to your children and your grandchildren. Only take heed to yourself and diligently keep yourself. So this word keep, it's not like... Like, you know, I have a phone and I keep it, it's mine, but it's like to maintain, to look after, to guard. And so when, when Moses says, take care and keep your soul diligently, it's like your soul is a garden. Mm -hmm. And if you guys know anything about gardening or like raising a house plant or, you know, like growing something in your backyard, what do you have to do every day? First of all, you have to go there every day. But you have to see if there's something eating it, if there's weeds around it, if um, there's anything that's existing to um, like destroy your garden. Yep. So in the same way, we have to daily look, daily keep, daily maintain, daily guard and that sometimes is dirty like sometimes you have to go on your knees and like sometimes there's a huge weed and you have to get a shovel and get to the roots because if you don't get the roots out it's just going to grow like again and worse so I think Moses knew a little bit about soul care even then <laughs> every day you have to come back like he's telling the Israelites, every day, take care of your soul. 
Take care of your soul. Keep watch over it so that nothing in the corner is growing without you knowing. And part of that keeping is, is building history with God. It's, it's that secret place. It's that, the work that no one else sees. So let's read on ahead a little bit. Um, I'm not going to go through the whole thing because it's really long, and I want to go to a different chapter. But I'm going to point out another verse where Moses says, do not forget, verse 15. Therefore, watch yourselves very carefully, since you, since you saw no form on the day that the Lord spoke to you at Horeb out of the midst of the fire. So watch yourselves also is like, you know, keep, part of the keeping, part of the taking care. And then um, verse 23, he says, take care, lest you forget the covenant of, of the Lord your God, which he made with you, and make a carved image, the form of anything that the Lord your God has forbidden you. So this part is also talking about idolatry. And when we don't keep our soul, when we don't watch over it, we, are, we have a tendency to become idol worshippers, to become distracted, to become, to make anything. It says here, like, don't make, any, don't make it any god in the likeness of male or female or an animal or a bird or the stars or the sky or the fish or anything. And it's kind of like when we think about it now, like, why would we worship a fish. Why would we worship, you know, somebody? But God is revealing, like, that is the tendency of our heart. It's bent towards sin. And so keep, keep your soul and watch. Watch carefully so you don't fall into idolatry. I'm just going to read from 26 to 31. And I'm going to read from ESV because I don't have a NKJV version. Sorry. <laughs> so 26 I call heaven and earth oh this verse I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that you will soon utterly perish from the land that you're going over the Jordan to possess so Moses is saying like let's say Pastor Adam is Moses right now it's like him saying to me and Isaac like I bet when you guys plant a church you're gonna fail like, that is, that is what Moses is saying right now. Like, <laughs> but that, that's how much he, you know, he was jealous for God's word, and he knew that, like, there was no way that, like, they were going to fall. Um, but he's, he, it's, it's metaphorical. He's like, I call heaven, I bet you, I bet you, that you will, uh, you will perish in the land, but, but, oh, it, you, will, you will perish in the land, and you will be driven to nations where you will be serving gods of wood and stone, the works of human hands that neither see, nor hear, nor eat, nor smell, which sounds like Babylon, but, but, there's a but. There you will seek the Lord your God, and you will find him. 
if you search after him with all your heart and with all your soul. When you are in tribulation and all these things come upon you in the latter days, you will return to the Lord your God and obey his voice. For the Lord your God is a merciful God. He will not leave you or destroy you or forget the covenant with your fathers that he swore to them. So he's saying, you know, I bet you you're going to fail, but when you seek him, you will find him. And he is merciful. Okay, let's go to... Oh, this quote here. The grand design of all the institutions prescribed to Israel was to form a religious people, not in the religious way what we know it, but whose character, whose national character should be distinguished by the fear of the Lord, their God, which would ensure their divine observance of his worship and their steadfast obedience to his will. So the key to obedience is the fear of the Lord. Remember, remember that. Remember. So, man, should I read through all this? (laughs) Deuteronomy 8. So this chapter is on remember the Lord your God. And this is where I want to camp out a little bit. Remember the whole commandment that I command you today, you shall be careful to do that you may live Here's a live again. Live and multiply and go in and possess the land that the Lord swore to give to your fathers. Uh, Yeah, so the commandment, obeying the commandment is important because it leads to blessing. The issue of disobedience in the generation and the generations before was because why? Because because they didn't have the fear of the Lord, so they didn't they didn't obey. But if we actually believe who God says He is, and and yep. do the things that He told us to do, yep. then we would be a blessed nation. Then Israel would be a blessed nation. But we flirt, we would, and we would not be flirting with sin. So if we are, if we're not serious about sin, just know that sin is serious about us. Like it's like sin wants a long-term relationship with us, but we're just like, I don't know. Like I'm God's person, but I just want to like you know flirt with you. I'm God's person. I want to flirt with you. But sin is like I want to marry you, and I'm gonna bring you down. And I think, you know, it says, like, fear not the person who would bring you down. Like, fear not sin, but fear the one who can cast your soul into, into Hades, into hell. So what, what lacks in our conversation with God is what Satan will take and try to exploit you. And what you keep from God, Satan will take. He will be like, okay, you don't want to give that to God, I'll take it. And he will, he, he, uh, yep. like he'll get any chance that he wants. Yep. That's right. 
And part of taking care and keeping our soul is searching for those, the, those things, searching for those voids, searching for what is it that I don't want to tell God? What is it that I don't want to share or don't want to shed light on? Those are the things that you need to bring up when you're keeping your soul and taking care of it. And no one, no one is exempt. Not even Moses was exempt. And he is the one that's giving them the law. But he, did you guys know that he didn't enter into the promise? And it was because God told him to do something. God told him to do exactly something. Like he told Moses, speak to the rock and waters will flow. But what did he do? He, he hit it twice. And that's part of not adding to the word and not taking away from it. But Moses, his, God's friend, he disobeyed. And so the consequences of that was him not being able to enter into the promise. Okay, so while Moses is giving this to them, he says, you shall remember, verse 2, you shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness, that he might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. And, and you know, we just talked about Moses disobeying God. It's like, he was also tested. Every, there is no one, no one is exempt right. to this testing and consecration. And it's to test, um, I have a quote later, but Pastor Adam says, the word will test you before it blesses you. And so in the wilderness, God was testing his people to see, will they obey? I hope they obey. Will they obey? I hope they obey. And... They don't, and part of that, you know, part of the, that testing is to humble us, is to humble them, to let them know that you, you, you couldn't do it, but God is merciful, and he, he listens when we repent. So verse 3, and he humbled you and let you hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know that he might, he might make you know that man does not live on bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Your clothing did not wear out on you. Your foot did not swell these 40 years. Know then in your heart that as a man disciples his, disciplines his son, the Lord your God disciplines you. So you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God by walking in his ways and by fearing him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land of brooks of water, of fountains and springs flowing out of the valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley, of vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of olive trees and honey, a land in which you will eat bread without scarcity, in which you will lack nothing, a land whose stones are iron and out of whose hills you can dig copper, and you shall eat and be full, and you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. Take care lest you forget the Lord by not keeping his commandments and his rules and statutes. So this, these you know, four verses is just describing 
what God has for Israel. And they spent 40 years in the wilderness. It's dry, it's the desert, and they're just wandering around. They could have, you know the trip that they took from Egypt to Canaan is, a two, is like a two-week journey. But they took 40 years because God wanted to test them. But Moses is telling them, you know, this is the land that God has prepared for you. And it's like, like, I think he's trying to stir up hope in them. Like, you're so close. You're right there. But you have to obey. You have to obey. And I think, you know, if we just think about being one of the Israelites, I think, I think most of them, I think all of them were born in the wilderness. So they, they, took a, they took a census of people who were 20 years, no, no older than 20 years, yeah. And so they were in the wilderness for 40 years, so that means that they were born in the wilderness. And the only two people that were allowed to go were Joshua and Caleb from the, from the generation that left yep. Egypt. That's right. And so there is a new generation of people, and God is just like, I hope they make it. And Moses is like, I know you won't. <laughs> but, but God is like, this is the land I have for you. Like, obey, obey, because it's good for you. And another thing that I, I love about how God sees the Israelites is like, these are, these are, you know, like, they, so when the Israelites left Egypt, you know what the first thing they did? They complained. They're like, why'd you take us out? <laughs> why'd you take us out of Egypt? <laughs> and they complained for 40 years. And God is just like, don't be the people of complaining. Be thankful. Remember me. Jesus. So let's keep going. Um, verse 12. Remember, uh, take care lest you forget. And lest when you have eaten and are full and have built good houses and live in them, and when your herds and your flocks multiply and your silver and gold is multiplied, that all you have is multiplied, then your heart be lifted up and you forget the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, who led you through the great and terrifying wilderness with its fiery serpents and scorpions and thirsty ground where there was no water. Who brought you water out of the flinty rock? Who fed you in the wilderness with manna that your fathers did not know, that he might humble you and test you to do the good, to do you good in the end? Beware, lest you say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. You shall remember the Lord, your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth, that he may confirm his covenant that he swore to, to your fathers as it is today. So he's saying, there is all this blessing for you. And I think, you know, this is a message for Amer the church in America today. Like, we live in abundance. We live in a land of, you know, as close as we can get freedom. We live in providence. We have, we don't think about what we're going to eat next or what we're going to wear next. We have everything that we need and everything that we want. 
And God is telling them, beware. It's a warning. Don't forget the Lord. That is why remembering is so key to, to the Israelites and I think to us right now in this season. Because when we look back in this past year, there's so many things that happened. And, you know, a lot of us got a lot of healing. We went on mission trips. We, we experienced the abundance and the providence. And I feel like the Lord is saying, don't forget. Don't forget me. Remember me because everything that you have is from me. That's right. Everything that you have was you were able to get because of me. It is my hand that releases the power, the ability, the wisdom, the knowledge to get the wealth. Don't think that it's from your hands. Don't think that it's from your ability, your giftings, your personality. Don't think it's from you. Because you will fall if you do. If you forget him, you will fall. So beware. Beware. God, remember God. That verse 18, it is he who gives you power to get wealth, that he may confirm his covenant that he swore to your fathers. So our wealth is actually coming from the covenant of Jesus, because Jesus made everything available to us. We're Gentiles, so we're, we don't count in the, in the Jewish covenant. But all the wealth, all the, you know, everything that we have is because of Jesus. And if you forget the Lord, verse 19, if you forget the Lord your God and go after other gods and serve them, mammon, money, and worship them, I solemnly warn you today that you shall surely perish like the nations that the Lord makes to perish before you. So shall you perish because you would not obey the voice of the Lord your God. So I want to share with you like a a cycle of needs and it's not scientific. (laughs) This is just kind of like an observation from the scripture and just, you know, just observe, observing. So you have a need. This is a negative cycle of needs that leads to separation. What happens? God provides the need because he's a good father. And you enjoy the gift. And then what happens? You forget God. And then what happens when you forget God? (laughs) Complaining, (laughs) insecurity, pride, jealousy, hopelessness, and an orphan spirit. That's what happens when we forget God. And that's what happened to the Israelites. They started complaining. They started getting insecure like, Oh, but they get that, that those other nations, they have all that. And look at their gods, they serve, their gods serve them. And there's pride. Okay, so part of this is like, one thing that God does not want us to, to look back and remember is like, you don't know what happened to me. You don't know what I've been through. You don't know that I, like, we, we are people who 
were slaves for 400 years. But that's, that's pride, because you're saying that your problems are too big for God. But, that, but God is bigger than your problems, and God is bigger than your pain. God is bigger than your past. God is bigger than generational family wounds or, and, and curses. God is bigger than that. So what you're actually doing is making excuses, and that's, that's pride. Then there's jealousy. There's hopelessness. Because you forget that God, God was actually the source of your gift that met the need. And then there's an orphan spirit. And this orphan spirit just brings you back to lack. Like, I don't have, like, you don't see the clothes on your back? <laughs> how can you say that God has forgotten about you? Or how can you say that? God is not your father, a good father who provides for you. So that just brings you back to need. And you, and you go through this cycle, the Israelites go through this cycle, and in the end, you know, there is a, there is a remnant that God preserves, but they, they just separate. They just, they're like every other nation. They, they just separate from God, and there's no intimacy. But here is a cycle of needs that leads to healthy dependence, not scientific. <laughs> Positive cycle. What do we start with? We start with a need. What happens? God provides the need. <laughs> what happens now? You enjoy the gift. What, what, what are we going to do? Remember God. <laughs> yes, Lord. Thank now God. what happens? There's confidence. There's humility. There's faith. Faith for the next. Faith for for someone else. And there's sonship, because you remember God. When I cried out to God, He's a good Father, and He answered me. And here is the evidence. And so. Now I'm not looking at his hands, I'm looking at his face. And I'm saying, God, thank you, because you're my father, and everything good comes from you. And now what happens? <laughs> there's thanksgiving, there's praise, and there's testimony. And you know what the great thing about this is? It's not about you, it's about what God did. And so what happens? There is a, you know, there is an intimacy that builds here when you remember God. Yep. It's a love-based obedience. So, something about obedience, right? When there's rules-based obedience, let's say God commands you to do something and you do it. If it's rules-based, it becomes pride. Because you start to think, like, there's a lie that says, this couldn't have been done without me. Like, oh, it's because I did it that this happened. And then eventually there's a downfall. Or a command, there's a command and you don't do it. And then you feel guilty and then condemned. And then you just cycle down into this abyss. And you just keep looking at yourself. Because it's, it's like, duty-based. But when it's love-based, 
And we, we look at this, right? Like, you see what God did for me? When, there's, when God says do something, and you do it out of, a, out of a response of him giving you his one and only son, of him giving you more than enough, of him providing for you more than enough, and you're just like, God, I want to do it. I want to give you everything because you did not hold back from me. And that comes from remembering God. That comes from remembering Jesus. <laughs> so another key, let's say, um, like we look at chapter 8, right? The pomegranates, the olive oil, the the copper and the iron, which actually was scientifically found, like in that area that um, Moses is talking about, they actually found evidence of that copper and iron that God had promised them. But you, you look at that and you're, and you know, we can say like, we're living in abundance, so how, how do we remember God? And part of that is staying hungry Hunger, right? How do you stay hungry? How do you get hungry? How do you get hungry? Like, I'm not just talking physically, but like, I mean spiritually, but physically. How do you get hungry? You just don't eat, right? And I think it's, it's similar in a way in the spirit. Like, how do you get hungry? You fast and pray. Because even God said, God hum- humbled you by causing you to hunger. And then God gave you manna. And I think there's, there's a key in that. And the, the key to surviving in the wilderness, to get through the, the testing, is to fast and pray. The Israelites fell short in this area because their hunger, they, like, they were grumbling from the start. Right, so their hunger was like for the world and for their comfort. And it was greater than their hunger for God and for his word. And, and God said, man shall not live on bread alone, but the word that comes from the mouth of God. And God gave them manna, but they were still hungry because they didn't get the word from God. Hunger, hunger comes from humility. So I'm talking about fasting here, like, and, and I think it works both ways, like humility, humility causes hunger and hunger causes humility, and that's why I think fasting is just like, if you feel like, you know, I'm good, like I don't need God, and sometimes like, you know, I'm lax, I'm like, oh, maybe I'll take a break from like spending time with Jesus today, oh, that's a cue that you need to fast because you're too comfortable. What do babies do when they're hungry? They cry. And what does your stomach do when you're hungry? It cries. So there is actually not a lot different that we have, or we have a lot in common with babies. We need to cry for God. We need to cry out for God. And God is so good that he will actually give you what you want. But then when you realize, you will realize that what you really want will not really satisfy your cravings. That's right. God gave the Israelites what they wanted, but they still complained. 
And that, that just shows you that, like, your hunger, your hunger for the world can't be more than your hunger for God, because then you will never be satisfied. It's humility. Humility will get you through the wilderness. It will come from remembering God, and it will, it will, help, you, it will help you pass the test. Um, here are some scriptures. I don't think I'm going to go over them, but it has to do with remembering God, the laws of God, um, living in the Spirit, and Jesus being the manna from heaven. Yeah, it's like really powerful passages. I don't think I have time to go over them, but just, just read them. Read, read it. And see, see how amazing God is. <laughs> the word will test you before it blesses you. So I want to fast forward to, um, you know, after Deuteronomy, God tells Moses to commission Joshua to now be their leader, to be the leader of the Israelites. And... Um, one of the first things that they did when they were entering into the promised land was they, were, they crossed over the Jordan River. So the Israelites as a people, they went through water twice. The first time was when they escaped Egypt. They crossed over the Red Sea and there was no water touched them. It was dry ground. And he did it again for this new generation. And what God is doing is he's building history with this new people. And so God makes a way for them in the Jordan and they're like, oh my God, he's real. Like, this is happening. This happened to my mom or this happened to my grandpa. Like, God made a way and he's making a way for us now. And so it's like building up confidence. It's building up hope. It's building up faith. So so they they were doing okay. And you know what else they did? They made stones of remembrance so they're like okay Moses told us to remember this so they took the stones the 12 stones and they remembered they said God did this and and they they had the ark of the covenant and like oh another thing that they did was Joshua circumcised the new generation so in the wilderness a lot of these men were not circumcised and one of the first things that he did was circumcise them so that they can live in the covenant that God had for them. And part of this also, I've been thinking, I was thinking about this today, like, um, it says to circumcise your hearts in Joshua 5. And something that Pastor Adam was talking about earlier was like that, the, the, the pain, right? The pain. It's like, God circumcising our hearts is like, it's going to be painful because he is making us sensitive to him. He's making us sensitive to his promise and to his commands and his covenant. And so I'm going to start praying that now God circumcise my heart because I want to, I want to be sensitive, Lord. I want to be sensitive to your word and your commands. 
And then what happened? So, like, the testing never stops. The testing is in the wilderness, but it doesn't stop when you get to the promise because his word endures forever. Right? So, you know, as they're doing this, God, like, Joshua's just like, God, God tells him to do this, and Joshua's like, okay, I'll do it. And then he's, his, the forefront of his mind, his desire is leading him to a place where he's honoring the Lord first. And so they do all those things, and then their first battle, they're doing really well, like, they're doing really well so far. The first battle, God tells them, you're going to take over the city, but you're not going to use any of your swords. You're not going to use any of your weapons. You're going to march around the city once every day for six days, and you're not going to say a word. On the seventh day, you're going to march around seven times, and then you're going to shout. And they do it. You know, that's crazy, because they're conquering a whole city just by walking. But the weapon of their warfare was worship, and it was obedience, and it was praise, and it was testimony. It was like every step they were taking was a step of faith. So that's supernatural, right? They walk around, and the walls just come tumbling down. But then, after that, they fail. (laughs) It's just like they're stumbling. They're stumbling into the promise. But this just goes to show that, like, when there's obedience... When there's obedience in your life, when there's praise, worship, remembrance, there is a clear and decisive win. There is a clear victory in your life. And that is what remembering God does. It strengthens our faith. It brings us to think and reflect on God's faithfulness to us and the people who have come before us. And remembering makes our prayers more effective because we're bringing to mind even things that God said and what he has done, and we're saying, God, look what you did, what, look what you did and look what you said, won't you do it again? We remember God because he remembered us. Do you know that, did you know that God called Moses because the people were crying out to God, and it said that God heard them and he remembered so the, this whole journey of the Israelites coming out of, the, com, coming out of Egypt came from a cry, came from humility, from people to their God, and God remembered the covenant. So we remember God because he remembered us. That's the passage, Exodus 2. Some final thoughts. It doesn't matter how you started. It matters how you finish. And the key to finishing well, remember God and the fear of the Lord. Remember so you obey, so that you will live. Take care, keep your soul, guard it, watch over it, and remember so that you don't get trapped by the weeds of unbelief. It's not because of who you are, but because of who he is.
So another verse I wanted to bring up, and I think this is more relevant to us right now, is Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14 to 16. It says, I'm going to start from 13, actually. When I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain or command the locusts to devour the land or send pestilence among my people, if my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayer that is made in this place. For now I have chosen and consecrated this house that my name may be there forever. So when, when we humble ourselves and we pray, prayer is a, is a position of humility. When, when you don't pray, That's there's right. pride. That's right. That's right. But when we humble ourselves before him and pray, yeah. God, what does it say? My eyes will be, will be open and my ears attentive. So that humility in the prayer and the repentance causes God's eyes to open and causes his ears to open. And I, and I think that that's what God is doing in this church and, you know, just in the body of Christ. He's, he's looking for a people who will remember him, who will be humble and who will pray and and turn from our ways to repent to change our mind to take the cap off of our brains so that God will listen to the prayers that are made in the house of God and for healing to come for restoration to come for glory to come for the fullness of his presence to come and that means that we can't be leaky vessels and we we need to get healed so that we can hold his presence. That's right, yeah. That's right. God is preparing a place and a people for his presence. And um, Pastor Adam is going to be preaching on Revelation. Yeah. And um, the, seven, the seven churches, right? The letters to the church. I think it's Revelation 2 to 4. And if you, what? 2 and 3. Two and three. Um, if you just look at like the layout of it, it's like to the church of like Smyrna or Ephesus, like I have known you or you are known as like there is like a reputation there, but I want to be known by his presence. I want to be a people that is known by his presence. And it's going back to that passage where how great a nation is this that when they call to their God, they come. Yeah. Like, he comes. He responds. And so I think, yeah, I just want to pray that out and finish this off with just asking God to, yeah, just to come. So, Lord, I just thank you for this word. We thank you for your word. Lord, we just pray for the spirit of wisdom to come. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Lord, we want more of you, only you. 
We don't want to add or take away from you, God. And Lord, we remember today who you are, who you say you are, and who you've been to your people, a faithful and loving God. God, we want to be known as a people marked by your presence. That is the reputation that we want to be known for, the presence of God, the presence of God. So we ask you, Lord, we ask you, God, for grace. We ask you for the spirit of Jesus to cover us, Lord. The world doesn't need more of us, it needs more of you. So come, Lord Jesus, and and teach us. Teach us to obey. Teach us to obey, God. And I pray that, Lord, you would give us a hunger, a deeper hunger for you, a deeper hunger for your word and humility, God. We ask that you would pierce our hearts Lord, pierce our hearts and circumcise our hearts. Lord, make us new. Make us new, Lord. Renew our minds. Change our minds, God. That we would think more like you. That we would have the mind of Christ. Thank you, Jesus. We love you. And in Jesus' name, amen. Amen.